What a blessing it is uh, to be in the house of God today. I hope you're ready to learn and thank God for that. Right now in our church, we're in a season of thanksgiving. We feel like that God has been so good to us that it would be improper for us not to give him thanks. We are a blessed church. We are a blessed people and thank God for that right now. I praise God for all the blessings that he's bestowed upon me and uh, this church. And I thank God, I love the Thanksgiving season, y'all. The Thanksgiving season to me is a very special time of the year. Are you ready? Thanksgiving holidays coming up. And guess what? We ain't got to buy no presents. All we get to do is eat, y'all. That's hallelujah. And thank God for that. But I love the Thanksgiving season. And the psalmist uh, tells us about that. But before we look there together, uh, I want you to write this down. No matter where you are or who you are, you've got something to be thankful for. It doesn't matter who you are or what you're going through or where you are, there is a reason for you to be thankful. When you look at your life, no matter what valley you're walking through, no matter what the challenge is that you're facing, you've got a reason to thank God. Because what we've got to learn in our life is we don't need to look at the temporal. We need to look at the eternal. Our God is an eternal God. He is a sovereign God. He has designed us not for time but for eternity. Because of that, no matter who you are or where you are, you've got something that you could stop and give God praise for. The psalmist invites us to come into the presence of God. When the psalmist says in Psalms 100, he said that you are to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. When we do that, we begin to realize that there is a, there's something special that begins to happen between you and God when you enter into his gates with thanksgiving and you enter into his courts with praise. It's almost as if thanksgiving and praise is like a hand in glove. That is, when you are looking at your life and you're living your life and you say, God, I'm going to be thankful and I'm going to give you praise. God, no matter what may be going on in my life, I'm going to do that. I'm going to stop right now and I'm going to give you thanks and I'm I'm going to give you praise. The psalmist reminds us that when we do that, there is a supernatural activity that begins to happen, and that supernatural activity is the presence of God. So somebody asked me one time, Brother Jackie, how can I get into the presence of God? And I said, well, to me, that's real easy. Just stop where you are, get your heart vertical with God, be thankful to him, and bless his name, and God will find you. And when God finds you, you are connected in the supernatural supernatural realm of your activity and your existence. So today, uh, when I thought about that, I thought, well, that's what our title is going to be today. Let's all say the title together like we, look, like we mean it. Are y'all ready? Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Let's say it again, everybody. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Wow, when you think about that, we are invited to be in the presence of God. Thanksgiving and praise. Listen, if you are a Christian, you've got to realize something that's valuable to you. You're bought with a price. You're covered by the blood. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you have a home in heaven. You've got something to be thankful for. Can I give an amen? Let's just give God a big old crazy praise in regards to that right now. I thank God today that we can be thankful to him. We can be thankful to him. So today, I want you to open your Bible to that wonderful book of Colossians today, the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians is an epistle. What that means is it is a letter written by the Apostle Paul. We realize that Paul writes this letter to the believers of Colossae in the church that is there. 
When Paul begins to write that letter, you'll begin to realize, even if you go back to verse number one, which is not on the screen, Paul introduces himself as an apostle of the Lord Jesus by the will of God. And then he writes that letter to the saints and the faithful brethren that are in Christ. In other words, what he wants to do is he wants to encourage them. And ladies and gentlemen, we're living in a world today, especially in the church world, to where we need to be encouraged. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Amen. No weapon formed against us will prosper. And every tongue that rises against us, God will, will condemn because that's the heritage of the saints of God. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us and gave himself for us. Amen. So we, we are the people that have a victory in our life. So Paul is writing to this church this epistle to encourage them. Now I want you to notice there in verse number 9. For this cause also, we also, since uh, we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering, which is endurance, with, say the word, joyfulness. Now look at verse 12. Let's read the first two words there. What? Giving thanks. Say it again. Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light, who delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Watch this, even the forgiveness of sin. Can I get an amen? Now listen closely. You realize there that Paul was in prison in Rome when he wrote this letter. And Epaphras was the senior pastor of the church of Colossae. So Paul is writing to a pastor to encourage him uh, during this time. Now Epaphras had connected with Paul to get some advice because they were going through some troubles and some struggles in their life. And that is, there was false teaching that was coming in the church. So Paul connects with Epaphras to encourage him and he writes this what's known as the epistle uh, to the Colossians. He writes a letter to encourage him and in doing that, this Epaphras had felt a need for some advice and counsel. So Paul says in verse number nine, are you with me? Say amen. He says, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. How many of you realize that we need people praying for us? Amen. Verse number nine says, I'm praying for you. I want to pray for you that you would be strengthened. In verse number nine, he begins to tell us about that in, in the word of God that you might be filled with wisdom and knowledge to know the will of God. And the will of God is to permeate our very existence, y'all. So we've got to realize that as believers, our number one priority is to know the will of God. We've got to know the will of God. And Paul says, I'm praying for you that when you're going through this time, that you will know the will of God. That you won't have to worry about that. You don't have to question that. That is the will of God to permeate who you are so that you will manifest something in your life that's going to be spiritual and good and sustain you in this time. Nothing is to flow into us or out of us that's not in the will of God. So what Paul does in verse number 9 is really good. 
He says, I'm praying for you. Everybody say, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. How many of you know when you pray, you connect with God? Amen. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. The Bible says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The Bible says, let your requests be made known to God. Enter into the throne room. Get into his presence. Make prayer a priority in your life. And Paul says, I'm praying for you. Now, it's interesting. Are you with me? That Paul is asking God to give them, first of all, information. Information, it's crazy how he does it. He says, I want you to get some information. I want you to get this information that will radically change your life. When you go to church, you hear a pastor preach, you ought to get some information. You ought to get something that will propel you to, to a deeper place with God. You, you need to come to a place that you get some information. And notice what he says in verse number 9. Are you with me? He says, for this cause also since the day we heard of you, we do not cease to what? Pray for you. To desire that you might be filled. Now circle the word filled. It means that you are overflowing. It means that God is doing something in your life that's going to overflow in and through you and it's going to produce something and it says that you will be filled with knowledge of his what? Will. Underline that in your Bible. Paul says, I want you to know the will of God. you got to know the will of God. If you don't know the will of God, you're going to be like a ship without a sail. You're going, to be, you're going to kind of lose your direction. You've got to know what the will of God is. And Paul says, I want God to give you knowledge of his will. But this will, are you with me, has got to be in all wisdom. Underline that word in your Bible. Information that you need to get from God has got to be given to you so that you'll get wisdom. You'll get wisdom. Now, now this is not in your notes, but you need to jot this down. What is wisdom? The Bible says that wisdom, if we need wisdom, we're to ask of God. And he will give it to us liberally and unabradeth not. Wisdom is not just getting knowledge. Wisdom is getting something from God. And that is simply this, and it's a real elementary description. So you may want to write it down. Wisdom is to know the basic God principles for your life. Knowing the basic God's principles for your life. What, does, what is God's principles for your life? Wisdom that God needs to give you in order for your life to be good, in order for you to be victorious, in order for you, for you to live above and not below, in order for you to live spiritually rich and not in spiritual poverty, you need God's wisdom. You need the wisdom of God, basic God's principles for your life. You need that in your life. And, and he adds something to it that you are to get spiritual understanding. Now, when I think about that, what that means is, very simply put, that you need to know how to apply that wisdom. You know, you know when you think about this, there's a lot of people that's got a lot of knowledge. Can I get an amen? But how many of you realize this? There's a lot of educated idiots out there. They ain't got a clue. You know what I mean? They don't know how to live their life, man. They're just messing up. They go, man, I know a lot. Well, you're dumb as a rock. You don't know a lot. You don't know basic God principles. What does Paul say? I want God to give you information so that you will be able to have wisdom. And in that wisdom, you'll have spiritual understanding. In other words, you want to connect with something bigger than yourself. You don't want just the wisdom of the world. You don't want just to know what the world knows. You want to know what God knows. Can I get an amen? You want God to give you something. How many of you in this building today would say, Brother Jack, I want God to give me something. Amen? 
I want God to, how many of you realize this? How many of you can say amen to this? You tried it by yourself. Anybody, can I get an amen? How many of you would say and give God praise that you tried it by yourself and it messed you up, but when you turned to God, he helped you, amen? Can I get an amen? He gets you out of your mess. He gets you out of your mess, gives you wisdom, gives you spiritual understanding. What does that mean? All right, watch this. Big note. You got to write this down. Information is great, but application is life change. Information is great, but application is life change. You got to realize that. That you can get all the information in the world, but if you don't have application, it won't change your life. Application will change your life. You have to take what God gives you in wisdom... And you have to apply it to how you live your life. And when you do that, you begin to realize that this application is life change. How many of you know, you can know all this stuff about God and about all this religious stuff, but if you don't let it apply to your life, it's not going to change you. And I believe that's what's wrong with our churches today. I believe that's why we're not seeing a, a real revival. I believe we've got a lot of people that know a lot about God, but they don't know God. I believe we've got a lot of churches that have studied their Bible for a lot of years, but man, they don't have God operative in them. I want to be in a place where information is not just a history lesson, Brother Benny, we talked about that, but man, it's a life-changing thing. It's a thing that translates from the words on the page, are you with me? I want to get this off the page, and I want to get it operative in my life. So when that happens, I get application. Look at what it says in verse number 10. When you get application, you might walk worthy. In other words, you live a different life. You're not your same. And you would walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and what? Increasing in the knowledge of God. So when you take this information and you get it off the page in your life, and you go, you know what? I'm going to apply these principles to my life, then all of a sudden you'll start increasing. Your life will start moving in an increase. And when you start getting an increase in your life that's spiritual, all of a sudden God begins to do what we call a production in your life. God starts producing something. And when God starts producing something in your life, I'm telling you, man, it's a good thing. He will not leave you where he finds you. Can I get an amen? amen? You will be changed from the inside out. Your life is going to be transformed. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passing away. Behold, all things are becoming new. All of a sudden, watch this. It becomes not just God, y'all, but God in me. And when God is in me, watch this, he's changing me. And then all of a sudden, I begin to live my life like this. You know what? I die daily. I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And God begins to do something in me that transforms me, and he begins to do a production in my life. Well, what's he going to produce in my life? Verse number 11 is pretty cool. When you look at that, it says, You will be strengthened with all might. Hallelujah. Thank God. That means that when you're taking God and you're letting God get down in you and get a hold of you, then all of a sudden you get strengthened. You don't get weakened by serving God. You get strengthened by serving God. It's not going to make you weaker letting God lead your life. It's going to make you stronger. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. 
And all of a sudden, the more God gets me, the more of God I get. And I'm telling you, there is nobody stronger than our God. Amen. Amen. So when God begins to produce something in me, he's producing strength according to his glorious power, which is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit goes to work in my life to produce something in me that I cannot produce in myself. I can't make it happen, but God can. I can't change me, but God can. I can't give me strength to stand up when I'm walking through hell, but God can. I can't make myself walk through a valley when I don't want to walk through it, but praise God, God can. I can't face a fiery furnace by myself, but with God, I can face that fiery furnace. I cannot go through the trials that I'm required to go through, but thank God, with God lead with me, he'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me. He's always gonna be there. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and I'm telling you, when God is doing that, there's a supernatural empowerment that God begins to produce, and then he gives me patience and long-suffering. Watch this. With what, y'all? Y'all look what I'm about to preach on. I said he will give us this production with what? Joyfulness. Man, I go preach, I look at church, and I'm going, oh, God help me. I'm talking about the church of the living God ought to be the happiest people on planet earth. It ought to be the most joyful place you could come to. It ought to be a place when you walk in, you're going, man, I got glory bumps just by pulling in the parking lot. It's an exciting thing to serve God. And I look at most Christians and I'm thinking, oh Lord, help me, Jesus. The problem is we don't understand that when we got God, we got something to be happy about. Can I get an amen? We got something to be joyful about. The, the joy of the Lord is my strength, church. We got to get the joy of the Lord among God's people and when we get that God starts producing in us that joyfulness can I get an amen some of y'all look yep 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 smile and look at me and say amen smile smile say amen let's give God praise he's good joyful joyful I adore thee joyful joyful God wants to change you and Lord have mercy some of y'all need changed God wants to change you, man. He wants to produce something in you that, look at, look at me, that no matter what you're faced with, you can say this, write this down. God's got me. God's got me. I've heard people say, you can say God's got this. God don't want this. God wants you. You see, it's a bigger deal about you. It's a bigger God that loves you. It's a bigger God that wants you. It's not just the this that he's got. He's got you in the midst of it. So all of a sudden, you can face it with joyfulness because God is doing something. And God is working. Yesterday, we had a fellowship with the music and the media people at the house. And man, we, I, went, I went home and, and, and man, I was just all wired up and excited about that turn on the Alabama game. I thought, oh my gosh, it's going to be good. And man, it got heavy. And I told Denise, I said, most of the time I just go to bed. I, I mean, I check out. But I said, I ain't going to bed. I'm going to watch this thing. And, and man, I was watching this thing. And uh, I, all of a sudden, my attention got shifted from the ball game to the people. And those people were going crazy, y'all. I mean, I, I told her, I said, they're, they're the people in the stands spending more energy than football players on the field. Man, they were jumping, hollering, screaming, I mean, making crazy face. I'm thinking, dear God, what's wrong with these people? And I thought, man, we got something bigger and better to be joyful about. Yeah. 
Don't we, y'all? I mean, really and truly, don't we have something bigger and better to be joyful about? If we're going to give our... Hey, look, I'm not opposed to shouting and getting all, getting all excited about that stuff, but how about church? How about God? How about a spiritual thing? How about God doing a work in us that we can give him praise for? How about all that stuff that we go, God, wow. God, you're doing something in me. You are producing something. You're changing me. And watch this. This is crazy good, y'all. When you get information about God and it becomes wisdom and you apply it to your life, and all of a sudden you, you get application of it, and God starts producing something, are you ready? There will be a manifestation. Now, there is a, that word, Brother Randy, is a word a lot of people don't speak about. Don't speak about manifestation in the Baptist church. Oh, my gosh, we might get crazy here. Let me tell you something. God wants to manifest himself through you. God wants to show the world who he is through your life. For you don't know and understand you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. It is Christ in me, the hope of glory. It is God at work in my life to, to manifest something. What does God want to manifest in your life? This is good, y'all. Verse 12, giving thanks. Isn't that good? Say, that's good, Brother Jay. He wants to manifest your giving thanks. In other words, because who God is, because what he's done, because of what he's doing, because of what he's producing in your life, you ought to be people that's giving thanks to your Father. Amen. You ought to be the people that the manifestation of your life is not griping, not complaining, not bellyaching, not marabond. But man, you ought to be thankful because God is doing something. God is at work in your life producing something in you, working in you, shaping you, molding you, making you, moving in your life in such a way that he doesn't leave you where he finds you. He's always consistently, constantly working in your life. He's working in such a way that he himself is going to cause you, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, you can give thanks. You say, well, Brother Jackie, this manifestation, the manifestation that God wants to do. You remember in verse 9, he says, I'm praying for you. And I'm praying for you. I'm lifting you up to the Lord so that God will do this and God will do that and God will strengthen you and God will give you wisdom and God will give you spiritual understanding and God will give you endurance and God will give you patience and God will do all that. And then in verse 12, it's almost like he changes and said, oh, by the way, when God does that and as God does that, you get the privilege of manifesting what God is doing in your life. And you know how you can do that? Give thanks. You can just give thanks to God. You can be a person that no matter what's going on, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Remember, I'm about to tell you something that's powerful. Write it down. This is so good. Listen to me. You get to see things in eternity, not just the temporal world. You don't walk by sight. You walk by faith. You get to give God thanks 
for something that's bigger than this world has to offer. You get to see a bigger picture, y'all, if you're a child of God. Can I get an amen? You get to see through your eyes of faith. The Bible says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. You get to walk by sight, by, by faith and not by sight. You get to live your life every day for a bigger picture. Jesus said, don't lay yourselves up treasures on this earth where moths eat and thieves steal and rust deteriorate, but you lay your treasures up in heaven. There's a bigger place there. There's a better place there. You get to be able to say, no matter what goes on in this temporal world, I serve an eternal God, and because of that, I will not let this world hold me down. I'm going to give him thanks today. I I'm going to give him praise today. I'm looking through the eyes of eternity and not through the temporal eyes of this world. Because do you not know this? The things of this world are passing away. The things of this world become strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. One day, my friend, you will see him as he is. You will be able to walk into his presence as a child of God and hear these words, well done now, good and faithful servant. Why don't you enter into the joy of the Lord? You will be able to say, what a day, glorious day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. And because of that, no matter no matter where you are, your, your home address is not on this earth. It is in heaven, and because of that, God has created for you a bigger picture for you to give thanks for. Can I get an amen? You can give him thanks. You can give him thanks. You can be a church that's thankful because you've got a bigger picture. You're looking at different things. You're seeing things through a different eye. You're not who you once was. People who are attached to this world, they, they cannot soar to the heights of the glory of God. But when you walk by faith and not by sight, all of a sudden there is something that will happen to you that will change you. You will be a person that has a manifestation of your spirit that says, God, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, God. I thank you, God, that you did not leave me where you found me. I thank you, God, that I was once lost, but now I'm found. I thank you, God, that I was once blind, but now I see. I thank you, God, that I'm covered by the blood. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I got a home in heaven. I thank you, God, that you will never leave me and never forsake me. God, no matter what I may go through, the, the, the tears may endure for a night, but joy's going to come in the morning when I see you face to face. For this I say, that this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh death, where is thy, thy, thy sting? Oh grave, where is thy victory? But, but we give God praise because the victory is in the Lord Jesus. I say unto you my friend that we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkle of an eye at the last trump when the dead in Christ shall rise first and then we which are alive remain shall be called up together to meet the Lord in the air so shall we ever be with the Lord. There's coming a day when this world will disappear and the glories of God will be manifested until that time, we can give him thanks. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? So when you give him thanks, when you give him thanks, when you give him thanks, a manifestation, you get to set your mind on things above and not things below. You're able to rise above. When you get this place to this place, your perspective changes. And oh, my friend, you will be thankful to him. Now, there are four things I'm going to give you real quickly that you can be thankful for. Are you ready? Say amen. You say, Brother Jackie, I'm not thankful. I'm just not thankful. I'm not thankful. I'm just not thankful. Yes, you can be. 
you can be thankful. You say, Brother Jack, I don't know, you don't know what I'm walking through. No, I don't, but you can be thankful. No matter what you're, no matter where you are in life, you can be thankful. You know why? Because you can be thankful for your, say it with me, Heavenly Father. Can I get an amen? amen? You can be thankful for your Heavenly Father. The Bible says in verse number 12, watch this. You are to give thanks unto the Father. The Father. I like what one translation says. It says you can, be, you can give thanks to our Father. I like what another translation says. It says I can give thanks to my Father. I like what somebody else says. He is my Abba, my Daddy. There may be some of you <coughs> in this room today and those that are watching online and those that are at, at the river campus, you say, Brother Jack, I, didn't never, I never had a father. My father walked out on me. My father was not a good father. Well, I'm telling you, friend, our God is a good, good father. And he will not walk out on you. And he will love you always. He is that father. You know what he does? Say what, Brother Jackie? He wakes you up every morning with his loving kindness. He wakes you up every morning with his loving kindness. When the sun peeked over the eastern horizon today, you know what he said to you? Good morning, sweetheart. I love you. When the birds began to sing a melodious song, they were singing a love song from God to you today. Do you understand that? God woke you up big and he woke you up and loved you. He woke big enough this morning with loving kindness. And I'm telling you, that's a whole lot of love. Amen. That's a whole lot of love. He wakes you up every day, y'all, with his loving kindness. You cannot, listen, you can't do enough bad to stop him from loving you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Who can separate us from the love of God? There is nothing that could do that. For God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You cannot out his grace and because of that, he wakes you up, nudges you this morning, tells you, open your eyes right now, open your eyes. You know what he says when you open your eyes? I love you. I have your picture on my refrigerator in heaven. I love you. 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 He wakes you up every morning with loving kindness. He's kind to you. That's a good thing to write down. He wakes you up every morning with his loving kindness. You know what he does? Listen to me. Say what, brother? He tucks you in at night with his faithfulness. He takes you, and even though you've been through all hell during the day, he's never left you. He's never forsaken you. When you get ready to lay your head down tonight on your pillow, he will say, I've been faithful to you today. I was walking with you all day. I had my eye on you all day. I was watching everything you did today. I was taking care of you. I was, watch this. This is so great, y'all. He will say, I was interceding for you today. I was praying to my father for you today. And now, watch this, I'm going to tuck you in. And I'm going to protect you all night long. And I'm going to be there with you. And I'm going to watch over you. And I'm going to put angels charging over you. And I'm never going to go to sleep. And I'm never going to slumber. And I'm going to let you rest in peace tonight. You can lay your head down tonight and you can be assured that my father is still on the throne. 
And my God is still alive, and he has never left you, and he will always be there. And I'm going to tuck you in tonight. Sleep well, my dear. In the morning, I will wake you up again with loving kindness. And all through your life, you know what he's doing? He's weaving your life together for his purpose. The tapestry of your life. Some of you go, Brother Jackie, my life's been a mess. Oh, my gosh. I've made all kind of mistakes. I've made all kind of bad choices. Anybody in here could say amen to that? Amen. I'm amen in it. Somebody else help me. I'm amen in it. Look at your neighbor and say, you better amen it. Amen. Look, we make bad decisions. We make dumb decisions. Our life gets off the track. You know what God does? God weaves that together. And it's like on this side, you look at it and go, that's a mess. And you turn it around and God's producing his glory in it. And the tapestry of your life, he's painting a beautiful picture to pull it together so that his glory will be manifested. You are able to say, he's my Abba, my daddy. He's a father to the fatherless. He's our father. Are y'all with me? He is our father which art in heaven. How awesome is that? That's how we can be faithful. Oh, but there's another reason. Oh, there's so much I could tell you. He will not stop loving me. He won't give up on me. He will not change. He won't walk out. He won't quit. But the second reason you have to be thankful is you can be thankful for your inheritance. Can I get an amen? amen. Your inheritance. How many of you know? Well, watch this. Y'all look at me. I'm rich. I'm rich. I live in West Brompton, but I'm rich. Let me just tell y'all something. My father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. By the way, I live in the poor section of West Brompton. Matter of fact, we're not even Brompton no more. We're so poor they took our name away. We don't have a name no more. I don't know where I'm from. Somebody tell me where I'm from. I ain't got a clue where I'm from. It's crazy. I don't even even have a clue, but oh, listen, I'm moving into the rich section one day. I have an inheritance in the Lord. The Bible says in verse number 12, watch this, giving thanks to the Father, watch, powerful, which has made us to meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. You know what that means? I'm, I'm part of this big deal, y'all. Y'all, don't, y'all. y'all know y'all part of this big deal? Anybody know you're part of this big deal? We got an inheritance with the saints. The same, the same thing that's promised to Abraham in his covenant, I get too. I'm part of the Abrahamic covenant. It's the covenant of blood. Everything God promised Abraham, I get. Because of that, I I get the same inheritance. Are y'all listening? Moses, Abraham, all the patriarchs, all the people, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I got that same thing. And one day my inheritance will be made real to me. One day I'll walk into this place. I know y'all don't believe this. Streets of gold, gates of pearl, a mansion, not a shack, Gated, are y'all listening? I don't know what the, gated communities. We're in that thing. We, move, we have an inheritance, but the inheritance is incorruptible. It's not something that goes away in this world. It's always there. I wrote this down. I don't have time to tell you all this, but I thought it was good for me to write this down. We have an inheritance of eternal life. We have an inheritance of salvation. We have the inheritance of the promises of Abraham. We have the inheritance of glory. We have the inheritance of righteousness. We have the inheritance of God's grace. We have the inheritance of God's favor. We have the inheritance of God's reward. We have the inheritance of eternity 
And this is one somebody ought to shout amen. We have an inheritance of a perfect body. Can I give an amen? Look, did y'all hear what I said? A perfect body. Oh my gosh, look at your neighbors. I can't wait till you get that, amen. What a blessing. A perfect body. We get a perfect body. No more hurts, no more pains, no more sorrows, no more knee replacement, no more shoulder replacement, none of that stuff. We get a perfect body, y'all. No doctors, hallelujah. No shots, praise God. No nursing homes, no funeral homes, no graveyards. We get that kind of in here. Is there anybody in here getting this? Can we give God praise for that? What a blessing that is, man. Look, we get to be thankful because of that. Good night. Looking at this congregation, somebody ought to have had a spiritual dance at that moment because you're thinking, man, I really get a new body? Yep, you really do. We get to be thankful for that. This world is not our home. We're passing through. Oh, but the third thing is we get to be thankful for, which I think is so good. We get to be thankful for our deliverance. Amen. Amen. God has delivered us. Amen. Amen. Now, how did he do that? Well, what does that mean to you and me? Well, verse 13 says, he has delivered us, come on now, from the power of darkness. That's enough to shout amen over. Did you know the devil and darkness don't have power over the child of God? Now, if we give in to that, he has authority over us, but because of the blood of Jesus, we have authority over him. And he has delivered us, watch this, this is so good, from the power of darkness. In other words, Jesus has broke the chains of darkness off of us. We, we, we don't, the power of darkness don't have power over us no more. And what does God do? He translates us from darkness into the kingdom of his son. You know what that means? God takes you and digs you up in this kingdom of darkness and replants you so you can flourish in the kingdom of light. And watch this. It don't take him long to do that. That quick. You are moved from the authority of darkness over your life, the dominion of darkness over your life, immediately when you trust Jesus, he picks you up, moves you into the kingdom of light. That's something to be thankful for, y'all. And if the power of darkness does not have authority over us, then the power of light must be greater than the power of darkness. Because if the power of darkness was greater than the power of light, that power of darkness would still have authority over us. But how many of you know there's none greater than our God? And so we get to, we get to live our lives under the power of the kingdom of his dear son. And we've inherited that. Hallelujah. Now the fourth thing is powerful to me, and that is, I'm thankful for my redemption. Redeemed, redeemed. How I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redemption. That's an interesting thought. 
Because when you look at it, a lot of times it's a big old spiritual word that people go, have you been redeemed? What? Well, let's think about it. Redemption. What is it? Verse 14 says this. In whom we have, come on now, redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Is that anything to be thankful for, y'all? We get redeemed, y'all. Now, the word redemption conveys the idea of being delivered or setting free by somebody paying our ransom. In other words, the person is powerless to free himself. Watch this. So somebody else has to pay the ransom to free us. You know what? Every one of us, we were on the auction block of sin, sold into the kingdom of darkness, chained by the powers of darkness and held captive by Satan himself on the auction block of sin. And Jesus stepped up and said, I'll pay the price to set them free. And he paid the price to redeem us. He redeemed us from the devil back to God. He paid the full price. Redeemed, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So what did Jesus do? He went to the cross for you, my friend, and you, and you, and all of us. And he said, I'll pay for them what they cannot pay for themselves. I'll give my life for them so that they can be thankful, so that they can live in a life that is joyful and free. I'll pay the price. And you know what Jesus did? He laid down his life willingly. No man took it from him. And Jesus, the Son of God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the acts of God's wrath and judgment was hanging over us and Jesus said, no, I'll pay the price. Jesus went to the cross, shed his precious blood to redeem us from the wrath and the anger of the judgment of God and out of the bondage of sin and Satan, Jesus paid it all. For thus he said on the cross of Calvary, it is finished. And the curtain that separated us from God was torn from the top to the bottom. And now we have access to come in to the presence of God through the blood of the Lamb. John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Listen closely to what I'm about to tell you. How many of you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Could I see your hand? How many of you believe that he paid the price for all of our sins? Every single one of them we've ever committed. Do you believe that? Say amen. You know, it kind of changed my life when I thought about that. I thought, you mean Jesus died to pay the price for all my sins, every one of them, every one of them. So if you were to die and go to hell, 
It won't be because your sins haven't been paid for. Because Jesus paid for your sins and my sins. See, because you've got sin doesn't mean that you don't get to heaven. Because Jesus paid the price for all of our sins. Would you agree with that? Then what keeps us out of heaven? What keeps us out of heaven is that you will not accept the one that paid the price. You see, when you say yes to Jesus, you're saying, Jesus, I accept what you did for me on the cross. And when you accept Christ as your Savior, you become a new person in Christ, and you're accepted in the Beloved. But if you try to, this is what a lot of people do. They say things like this. Well, I'm not good enough. I've been too bad. I've sinned too much. I've got to stop this and quit that. And don't do this. And don't do, no. You don't get saved because you quit doing something. And you don't get saved because you're not good enough. Because God made you good enough when Jesus died on the cross for you. And when Jesus died on the cross for you, it was enough to save you. See, you don't quit doing things to get right with God. You quit doing things because you are right with God. See, a lot of the devil, one of the biggest tricks of the devil is to get you to try to work your way to God. You can't do that. See, you don't work your way to God. For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. And he will redeem you if you'll trust him. That's why we give an invitation. We give an invitation in our church. We're not ashamed of that. There's a lot of churches that have quit doing that. Somebody preaches and they say, have a good day. Have a good week. And they let you out of church. Oh, no, we don't do that. We don't let you go that easy. Because the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the Bible says, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father, which is in heaven. You know, I think there's something special about a moment. Are y'all listening? Because I feel this. I feel this in my gut. There's something special, y'all, about a moment when the Holy Spirit begins to move. And He moves in ways I can't figure out. And you're sitting there and your heart starts beating fast. You, you, you know, you nod it up and you're thinking, oh my gosh, they're about to invite me to come down front. I ain't doing it. I've been there. But God is bothering you. And God is wooing you to him. And he says, come. Let him that's thirsty come. Let him that wants a spiritual drink to come. And whosoever will, let him come to the water of life and drink freely. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Did you know that every person God called in the Bible, he called them publicly? You know what? I think God knows what he's doing. I think there's something about sitting in a pew, having to swallow your pride and humble yourself and say, God, I'm coming today. I'm coming to you today. I'm nervous about it, but I'm coming. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm coming. In just a moment, we're going to invite men to come here. They're going to stand at this altar. And we're going to invite you to come. 
And God already knows, and you already know who you are, that God's dealing with their heart. And we're going to invite you to step out from your pew and come to the altar and say to these men, I want to give my life to Jesus. And they'll lead you in a simple prayer. These men don't save you. God saves you. But there's something about publicly coming. Some of you are here today. You may want to make this your church home. You can come and tell them, I want to make this my church home. Some of you need to come to the altar and pray and say, God, I, I need to come and get my life where it ought to be with you. But this is your moment with God. You can come today. God can change your life, and you can be thankful. So today, I'm going to invite the guys to come, and I'm going to invite you to stand. And whosoever will, let him come. If you're here today, and you want to come to this altar, you come. This is your moment. So today, the bottom line is today you're invited to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And we want you to come to Christ. So you're invited to come today. Would you do it as we sing? Let's do that right now. You stand. Let's sing together.